Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to the Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Miltite. This time, it's Women's History Month, and we are taking a historical view of women as public speakers. Traditionally, stating one's views in public was a man's game, and women who spoke up got a lot of pushback. They would say, are you a man? The insinuation being that if you were standing there speaking, you were overstepping your role, stepping out of your gendered role and into the territory of male behavior. How the past relates to the present coming up on The Broad Experience. Listen to this snippet from a speech by the actress Dorothy Dandridge in 1963. She was standing in front of a crowd of 35,000 people at a civil rights rally in Los Angeles, and she was introducing the main act, Dr. Martin Luther King. Thank you very much. Uh, There have been so many wonderful speakers here this afternoon that I feel just a little bit inadequate in making my little speech. But I must say I have never spoken for such a worthy cause before such a large audience. I'm not a speaker, but I have to say what I have worked on that I must say. The self-deprecation, the insistence that she's not really a speaker. It all feels familiar to those of us who dread speaking in public. Who am I to put my thoughts out there? And what if I stumble, forget what I'm going to say, in short, embarrass myself? Donna Rubin is a speechwriter and a speech coach who's pretty obsessed with the history of women's speech. For years, she wrote speeches. She taught men and women how to become better public speakers. She still does. And she noticed how many of the women hesitated to speak in public, to claim any kind of expertise, to put their voices out there. And I began to wonder, why is it so challenging for so many women? So a few years ago, she went to her bookshelf, to her speech anthologies, and she began flipping through the pages And that's when she realized to her horror that the vast majority of speeches in there were by men. And when I say to my horror, it was horrifying to see so few women represented, but it was also horrifying for me to realize that that had been staring me in the face, that books had been on my shelf for years. And I never fully appreciated that the way we have constructed the history of public speaking and speech is as a male endeavor. That realization galvanized her. Yes, those books had some speeches by women like Elizabeth I, Margaret Thatcher, Eleanor Roosevelt, but it was always the same handful of speeches by the same women that cropped up over and over again. She started scouring more books, searching on the internet, 
and she came across example after example of women's speeches she'd never read or heard about going back hundreds of years. A couple of years ago, she started building a speech bank of women's speeches. You can find it at speakingwhilefemale.co. And I have thousands of speeches by women in history. Now, thousands of speeches. Not everyone is historically significant, but a lot of them are. And a lot of them are totally unknown. They're not part of our school curriculum. They're not recognized. They're not in our pantheon of role models. And that, that really bothers me. Because she says women were speaking in public, but history didn't make note of their speeches the way it did men's. She says if only more of us knew about all the women of the past who were orators, who took up the challenge of speaking in public. And it was a challenge. Donna says women were regularly attacked for speaking up. They had fruit thrown at them and they were heckled all the time. The story goes that African-American abolitionist Sojourner Truth was speaking once in the 1800s. And someone called out from the audience, are you a man? And so in defiance, she ripped open her blouse to show them that she wasn't a man. (laughs) But that was common. They would say, are you a man? The insinuation being that if you were standing there speaking, you were entering into, you were pretending to be a male that you were overstepping your role, stepping out of your gendered role and into the territory of male behavior. I mean, that's not that's not that different from today in many ways, especially if you think of women speaking out online and the abuse they get for speaking up about things on social media. Well, we all know social media is a hornet's nest and anybody who does anything that is unpopular to anybody can and does get victimized. But women are certainly at the top of that list. Women who uh, put their opinions out there, any kind of opinion, left, right, anywhere. Women women get challenged just because they're using their, their voices. Women get challenged because they're presenting themselves as uh, experts, as authorities. When women put their voices into the world, they are exposed and vulnerable. And it, it shouldn't have to be that way. And I want to come back to the history in the minute, but I want to go to a bit of your history. I mean, I'm curious about you. When you first got into the workforce, for instance, were you then a confident speaker? Did you enjoy speaking in front of groups of people and standing up and stating your opinion? No, I'm so glad you asked that because I historically have been a terrified speaker. In fact, the reason that I got into public speaking originally was because when I was in my 20s, I was invited to give a speech at an alumni organization and I was at the podium and I was speaking and I blacked out. I just had, it's common occurrence in public speaking. I just had a blackout. All of a sudden I couldn't remember what I had said previously in the middle of a sentence. So what I was supposed to say, I just had a blackout and it was horrifying and I fumbled my way through it, but I was a very, I was a very timid speaker, not confident at all. And I joined Toastmasters. Toastmasters is an international organization that teaches public speaking and leadership skills. Donna built up her own skills there, and ultimately that led to public speaking becoming her life's work. To this day, I would not say I'm a confident speaker, but I have discovered one of the keys to speaking more confidently is knowing your topic. The more you speak about a topic, the more comfortable you are with it. And I always tell my 
terrified speakers, my speakers who are nervous about the platform, know your topic. I've always found that the more passionate I am about a subject, the likelier I am to give a decent talk. And of course, I get nervous before I speak. So do most of Donna's clients. Right now, I'm actually coaching a woman who is in the NYPD, the New York Police Department. And she has to speak to her colleagues as part of her professional responsibilities. And she is terrified or has been terrified. And I just, I tell her, get up there and do it. I give her a whole range of strategies that she can use to calm herself down. And there are a lot of different strategies. And any good speaking coach knows these. You have to explore. You have to find the ones that work for you. Sometimes there's a multitude of strategies that you draw on. You could talk about breath control. You could talk about mindset. You could talk about feeling your feet on the ground. You could talk about having notes in front of you. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different things you can do that will make it easier for you. Everybody's different. She says while many women struggle with public speaking, it's certainly not everyone. The younger the woman, she says, the likelier it is she has confidence in her own voice. But she says whoever is speaking, whatever their age, they have a fine line to tread while doing it, particularly in male-dominated environments. We don't want to hide our identity. We don't want to mask ourselves. We don't want to be something other than what we are. But we have to play on their terms and that we have to project utmost confidence. We have to be sure of ourselves. Um, We have to project knowledge and authority in order to be taken seriously. And to do all those things, it is, has been, and still is a man's game. And we have to, we have to learn how to play it on our own terms. Also, by the way, I was a speechwriter for a year for the police commissioner of the NYPT when it was, when he was Ray Kelly. And I learned an enormous amount about the New York police department And um, it is very much a a man's world. And also, it's a world in the police department. It's a world where there is not a lot of emotion expressed. They're not comfortable with the expression of a lot of emotion. So when they talk about incidents, crime incidents, they usually talk about them extremely factually. Emotion is not part of the equation. And it's important for women in that environment to abide by those rules and to present themselves that way but still find a way to be themselves, to be true to themselves and to be authentic. It's a challenge. Another famously male environment, of course, is politics. If it isn't, we shall not be diverted from our course. To those waiting with bated breath for that favourite media catchphrase, the U-turn, I have only one thing to say. You turn if you want to. (laughs) British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher speaking at the Conservative Party conference in 1980. The ladies not for turning. Now, Mrs. Thatcher reportedly sought voice lessons, and by the time she became Prime Minister, her vocal pitch was quite a bit lower than it was earlier in her career, when she'd been accused of being shrill. So how do you abide by the unwritten rules but still stay true to yourself? Many women today would say, don't tell me to lower my voice and sound more like a man. In fact, I did a show around this topic a few years ago, and it was a pretty heated debate. 
Donna says, look, of course women have higher voices than men. We have shorter vocal folds, different hormones. So women have higher voices and higher voices have been interpreted as less powerful. I don't believe women should change their voices. I think women should speak like women. We want our voices to be aspects of our bodies as they are. However, if we want to sound powerful, we need to speak as powerful as we can. If we want to be powerful, we need to speak in a powerful way. And that means minimizing our filler words, not apologizing, not backing into what we're saying. And it also means lowering our pitch at the end of a sentence or lowering our pitch at the end of a phrase. When we want to hammer home a point, we need to go down. We all use upspeak and it's fine to use it sometimes, but she says to sound authoritative, to get people to receive your message, you need to end your sentence on a decisive note. I just want to say a couple of things in the break here. First, thank you so much to all those of you who pitched in recently on the Facebook page with advice for a listener who had a particular work problem. I'm not going to lie, it can get lonely doing this show by myself. And I love it when I'm reminded that there is a community out there and that you're willing to help each other. This isn't the first time I've anonymized a listener query and posted it on Facebook. So thank you again for always jumping in and offering up your own perspectives and advice. Also, you know this year has been hell for parents, in particular a lot of mothers. The new season of the Double Shift podcast just started. I've mentioned the show to you before. I'm betting some of you already listen. It's a storytelling show that challenges the status quo of motherhood in America. And this season, the hosts Catherine Goldstein and Angela Garbez are focusing on what this pandemic has truly cost mums. I just listened to the first episode. It features a waitress in Mississippi who has had an incredibly challenging year. She's so raw and honest. I think it's an interview broad experience listeners will really enjoy. And they have a bunch more episodes coming every two weeks. And just like this show, it's not just for women. The double shift isn't just for mums either. They have plenty of dads and non-parents like me who are fans as well. They're doing really important work. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You and I were talking offline about the recent remarks by the now former head of the Tokyo Olympics Committee, uh, Yoshiro Mori, who mentioned that, you know, women talk too much in meetings, and they were all going to compete with each other to talk. And this caused a massive storm. And he actually did end up resigning. 
what does that say about our voices in the workplace and how we are perceived? I mean, Japan's a very particular culture and society, of course. Yeah, Yoshiro Mori is gone. He he was the prime minister. He had the most visible position of leadership in his country. And his summer, his position with the Olympics was a very prominent one. And with that remark, he stripped back some of the veneer and showed us what he really thinks about women in the workplace. And it's, it's really unfortunate. But I would say that that viewpoint must be widespread. There must be many, many people who still object categorically to women's voices. Women talk too much. That is a very, very old trope. And in my archive, I uh, was looking the other day at a speech by a young woman, a schoolgirl named Anna Harrington in Massachusetts. Anna Harrington gave a speech at her school academy in 1793. 1793. And I'll read, I'll read you just the first line of what she said. It is not unknown to you how much wit has been scattered on the subject of the loquacity of women. So there she was referring to the idea that women are loquacious, that women speak too much in 1793. This goes back a long time. The roots are very deeply embedded in all of our cultures. Japan might be a particular case of a very conservative and patriarchal society, but that's the world that we live in. And that reminded me of a famous speech from about eight years ago made by then Australian Prime Minister Julia Gillard. She was addressing her political rival, then leader of the opposition, Tony Abbott. I'm not going to play you some of the more famous bits. They're very easily found online. We're jumping in right near the end. His double standards should not rule this parliament. Good sense, common sense, proper process is what should rule this parliament. That's what I believe is the path forward for this parliament, not the kind of double standards and political game playing uh, imposed by the leader of the opposition. Now looking at his watch, because apparently a woman's spoken too long, I've had him yell at me to shut up in the past, but I will take the remaining, I will take the remaining seconds of my speaking time uh, to say to the leader of the opposition, I think the best course for him is to reflect. Gillard faced a ton of sexism in her role as Australia's first female prime minister, particularly as a woman without children. A lot of it really visceral and crude. In fact, Gillard probably wouldn't be surprised by the existence of some early 20th century postcards Dana pointed me to. I came across some postcards that stem from the suffrage era. I've been a postcard collector for many years, so I have thousands of postcards. And during the latter years of the suffrage campaign, postcards were extremely popular and they would publish these postcards, anti-suffrage postcards. They were against the women's rights movement and the women's suffrage movement. And they would show images of women being tortured because they were speaking. They're images of women with their lips or their tongues being mutilated, being cut off, sliced and hacked. There are clamps on them and chains on them. Some of them have plugs in their mouth. A lot of them have women's tongues being nailed to wood. I mean, these are torture scenes. And you can go on eBay and search using terms like women and misogyny and comic, and you'll find these images for sale being peddled as amusement. 
In what world is it okay that we call these images comic? We both know that if there were images of any other people, of any Black people being tortured, nobody would call those comic. I mean, it's really outrageous that people consider those comic. One of those images shows a woman with her tongue being sliced off by a giant pair of scissors. And here's the thing that really infuriates me. Somebody has taken that image and made it commercially available in a series of products. You can have that image framed for your wall. You can have it made into a pillow. You can have it made into a, on a mug. You can have it made into a jigsaw in case that image really delights you and tickles you. You can have the image of a woman's tongue being sliced off for your domestic uh, enjoyment. In the same era as those postcards were being produced, this woman was speaking in the soon-to-be Soviet Union, advocating for women's equality. This recording is about 100 years old. Here, Russian revolutionary Alexandra Kolontai addresses a group of women. She tells them, For many centuries, woman was oppressed and had no rights. For many centuries, she was just an appendage to the man, his shadow. The husband provided for his wife so long as she obeyed her husband's will, meekly endured her own powerlessness, her own domestic and family slavery. She goes on to urge the women of Russia to work, to build nurseries, maternity homes, public canteens. She says, Your place, working women and peasant women, is under the red revolutionary banner of worldly victorious communism. Donna was happy to unearth that historic speech and link to it in her speech bank. And I'm always looking for more. So if any of your listeners have examples of speeches that they think belong in my speech bank, I really welcome those. And I I invite them to email me and share them with me so I can get them up on the site as soon as possible. My goal with this project is for every young girl, and I do mean young girl, this is really oriented towards younger women from Kenya to Kentucky. I mean, anywhere in the world, she has access to the internet. I want her to be able to go onto the site and read the words of a powerful woman hear her speak, hear her voice, and be inspired to use their own voices. Just as Dorothy Dandridge was in 1963. We as actors and actresses should take part in the most important drama that this country has seen. And again, the name of the drama is Freedom. Thanks to Donna Rubin for being my guest on this show. You can find the speech bank at speakingwhilefemale.co and there's an email address you can use to contact her right at the top of the page. I'll link you to more information about Donna and other resources for women speakers under this episode at thebroadexperience.com. That's The Broad Experience for this time. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. Thanks so much for listening.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.